1: plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Ross Kemp, and this is the KempCast. In this podcast, I'm joined by guests from all walks of life who all have engaging stories to tell, whether it's about their life, their career, or their expertise. I hope that if you listen to this series, not only will you learn something about the guests, but also about the world we live in. Joining me today is Kasim Kassam. He is a professor of philosophy at the University of Warwick and the author of the book, Conspiracy Theories. I hope you enjoy the show. Kasim, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I have to say, I love a conspiracy theory myself. Um, First question. I don't think they are, but I want you to explain to me, are they a new phenomenon? Uh,
2: not at all. Uh, conspiracy theories, in some sense, I think have been around for as long as as, as politics has been around. Um, the conspiracy theories that we, we talk about today are somewhat different, I think, from um, older conspiracy theories, but the basic genre is a very old one.
1: And Can you explain to me what what is a conspiracy
2: theory? Well, the simplest definition is that it's any attempt to explain a significant happening by blaming it on the the actions of a group of people a small group of people acting together in secret so that that that's the, that's the most straightforward explanation now, if you if you define a conspiracy theory that way then of course you know history is full
1: of them yeah so effectively that there, there is a conspiracy yeah yeah and you can talk about a conspiracy as as an idea so or there are genuine conspiracies but then there are things called conspiracy theories. And you know, in the book, which I really enjoyed, I have to say, uh, I read it from cover to cover very quickly and then had another go at reading it because um, you know, as a layman, one doesn't always get everything on, on the, first, the first attempt. But you know, a theory about a conspiracy is one thing, but you talk about a conspiracy theory with a small c and a small t, which I believe is a theory about a conspiracy. But you Go want ahead. to speak about a big C and a big T, a conspiracy theory. Explain to me the difference between the two.
2: So, so here's a kind of test for, for, for your listeners. So if you think about 9-11, um, so after 9-11 there was a commission, a government commission called the 9-11 commission, uh, which was tasked with, with finding out what happened. So the basic story that the 9-11 commission came up with was that 9-11 was the result of a small group of al-Qaeda operatives Uh, acting together in secret, in other words, a conspiracy, to Mm -hmm. carry out the attack. So that was the official account. Um, So that's a theory about a conspiracy. Uh, Then, of course, there's the alternative account, which says that um, 9-11 was an inside job somehow, that the Bush administration was somehow behind it. Now, both of these are theories about conspiracies. They both explain what 9-11 was by reference to conspiracy. But I think most people even even you know whether you're a conspiracy theorist or not I think most people would be would think it's strange to call the official report of the 9/11 commission a conspiracy theory, mm. right? And and one reason I think that it seems odd to call it that is that usually when people talk about conspiracy theories they mean theories that are opposed to the official view, you know, theories that that go against re- received opinion. Um, And and so the reason you can't call the report of the 9-11 Commission a conspiracy theory is that it wasn't against the official view, it was the official view. Right. So, so when we talk about conspiracy theories with a big C and a big T, we aren't just talking about any old explanation of any old conspiracy, because I mean, there are lots of explanations like that. History books are full of them. You know, so Guy Fawkes, right? Yep. Uh, that's, if you say, well, Guy Fawkes conspired with his mates to blow up parliament, that's a historically well-supported theory about a conspiracy. But if you're a historian who writes about the gunpowder plot, I don't think many people would say, oh, well, you're just a conspiracy theorist. Right. So that shows that, that when we talk about conspiracy theories in the sense in which people do nowadays, you know, these controversial theories about, you know, 9-11 and JFK and Sandy Hook and whatever, they're not just talking about, you know, th- theories about conspiracies. They're talking about something more, more specific um, and, and, and more limited. Uh, and part of what makes these theories d- distinctive is that, as I say, they are contrary to the official view there are other features as well but that's a that's a rather that's a crucial feature
1: and so this layman again can you just explain to me the difference between misinformation and disinformation so
2: misinformation is just um information that's incorrect right so if you say to me what's the capital of california and i genuinely believe that the capital of california is san francisco so i say to you san francisco is the capital of california okay well that's a piece of misinformation Right? because it isn't the capital of California. Um, so it, it, that's misinformation, but it may be completely uh, sincere on my part. I might have the sincere belief. Um, disinformation is is basically misinformation that's dressed to look up, to look as if it's actual genuine information. So disinformation is where I give you false information, but I do so um, in a way that makes it look as if it's the real thing. So, it's, so so with disinformation, there's an attempt to deceive, whereas misinformation, per se, may or may not involve deception.
1: But but, but therein is a let-off for some of our, our CTers out there, because they may well be, if we look at, and we will look at, at what the typical uh, CD, CT person is like, is they're often ill-educated, so they could well be misinformed, couldn't they?
2: they 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 could indeed and i'm sure that um there is a lot of uh a genuine belief in conspiracy theories based on misinformation where it's completely you know completely sincere um but i i i like to think that that you know, when we talk about conspiracy theories and what people do or don't believe, I think it's actually also quite helpful to distinguish between you know, producers and consumers. You know, so there are people who come up with these theories. And so you can ask about what they believe and what their motives are and what they're up to. And then there, there, there are the consumers, people who, who believe these theories, or even if they don't believe them or are interested in them or might circulate them or retweet them or whatever. And, and the story you tell about the consumers I think, needs to be different from the story that you tell um, about the, about the, the producers. Um, and I think it's very easy to see, to see the distinction when you look at some currently
1: popular uh, conspiracy theories. Talking about uh, producers and consumers, can you be a producer and a consumer? You, you, yeah, you
2: can. I mean, well, you, you can, you can be in the sense that, of course, you can, you can be a producer of a conspiracy theory that you yourself believe in, right? So that's in, that's entirely possible. Um, but if you think about. Um, the Sandy Hook conspiracy theory. So, just to remind people of what 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 they are, what what that is. So, Sandy Hook was back in 2012 when, when a guy called Adam Lanza went to an elementary school in Connecticut, in Sandy Hook, Connecticut, and he shot dead 20 children at the elementary school along with six teachers. Right, so an absolute massacre. Um, so, within a short period of time, the conspiracy theory started to circulate, well, there are two. One was the shootings never happened. The whole thing was a false flag operation. And the other was that it did happen, but it was all a setup by the Obama administration, uh, which was doing it in order to promote the case for greater gun control. Now you have to ask yourself the question, what were the people who were promoting this theory, who came up with these theories, what were they thinking? Did they actually believe these theories? And what was their agenda? What were they trying to achieve by promoting these theories? So, I mean, my own view is that at least some of the people who put these theories forward actually didn't believe them. Um, and and the, you know one famous guy who put the theory forward was a guy called Alex Jones in the U.S. And when he was taken to court about this, he said, "Oh well, I didn't really mean it. Um, I was suffering from some uh, psychosis, and that's why I said these things." Um, but nevertheless, he promoted the theory.
1: But isn't Alex Jones one of those people that also makes money from conspiracy theories?
2: Well, exactly, exactly. So so I so I think that that's a, that's a that's a key point. You know that that promotion of conspiracy theories is big business. You know there is money to be made. If you go to Alex Jones's InfoWar website, you'll see that there's a whole lot of merchandise that you can buy there. Merchandising that's related to conspiracies, right? So, you know, survival survival gear of one sort or another and um of course, lots of, lots of uh, um, yeah, I, I think, stuff to do with, with guns. And the other thing, of course, about people like Alex Jones is that they are passionately opposed to greater gun control in the States. Now, if you are an opponent of gun control in the States and something like Sandy Hook happens, your big concern, I mean, well, you should be concerned about the kids who are killed, but apart from that, another concern you might have is, isn't this going to strengthen the case for gun control? Right. Now, if you want to deflect the case for gun control, then actually saying it never happened or it was a false flag um, is actually quite an effective way of promoting your political uh, objective. Right. So 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 that so that's the idea that that the that the producers have a whole lot of incentives for, for promoting these theories, which have nothing at all to do with whether they believe these theories or not.
1: And are they often tailored to confirm the bias that certain people already have? That's
2: absolutely right. So, so as, as 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 people will know, I mean, the whole issue of gun control in the U.S. is unbelievably toxic and contentious, um, and there there are people there who are, you know, violently and passionately opposed to gun control, and theories that 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 kind of plug into that opposition are always obviously going to be attractive and seductive to people with that uh, with that mindset.
1: Uh, it's it's easier to justify your ownership if you can just say. You know, Sandy Hook never happened, did it?
2: Yeah, I mean, just you know, just think of, just think of just how appalling Sandy
1: Hook was. I mean, just imagine, you know, 20 kids. You're a parent. Think about being a parent there and saying and 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 having it out there broadly broadcast on the internet, that and totally believed by many because they're the people that are just misinformed. They're not disinformators. They're they're just misinformed that they that they that their children never died.
2: Well, it's a it's it's dreadful. It's dreadful, and in fact, interestingly, some of the Sandy Hook parents took uh, uh, some of the more f- notorious conspiracy theories to court, uh, and 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 um, the, the the charge was a charge of defamation. Uh, and so, one of the guys, one of the most notorious pro- pro- proponents of these theories, was actually a philosopher called James Fetzer, who wrote a book called, I think, called "Sandy Hook Never Happened" or something like that. So Fetzer was taken to court by a Sandy Hook parent, uh, and the jury awarded. Um, $450,000 of damages against Fetzer in favor of the parent for dist- for distra- for defamation and distress caused by, um, by the theory. And actually, that can be a highly effective way of dealing with these guys. I mean, if your kid is killed, is shot dead... You know at school I mean it's about the most appalling thing imaginable for anybody and some guy is out there on the radio saying it never happened that these were crisis actors nobody died at Sandy Hook I mean that's just appalling
1: and and we know because we do believe in in education and we do believe in experts that that it did happen Right, it's it's a, an irrefutable fact that it did happen. We'll come on to try to destroy experts later. Just just give me though, what are the what are the basic, what are the what is the recipe for a perfect CT? Um, so I think what conspiracies
2: theories try to do is that they try to offer an explanation of something that seems otherwise particularly shocking or hard to understand. Um, so, so first of all, you 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 pick an event like that, so the Kennedy assassination, the death of Princess Diana, uh, or, or whatever. Then you find um, uh, some anomalies or something that doesn't seem seems not to quite fit in the official account. Um, and then you say there were powerful people, a small group of powerful people acting behind the scenes who were responsible for this. So in the case of Princess Diana, of course, people know that there's a conspiracy theory that that she was that, that it was the Duke of Edinburgh who, caught, who, who, you know, who ordered her assassination. So that's one of these one of these ludicrous theories um, that, you know, that's out there. And, you know, to, to me and I guess to hopefully to you as well. I mean, this seems absolutely absurd. But there are. You know, there are people to this day who believe, who don't believe that she was, you know, killed in a car crash as a result of, of you know, of drunk driving. Um, you know that there had to be more, more to it. So, so they, they plug
1: into this idea. People d- d- don't, and and I, I think it's it's nonsense, toxic nonsense. But people often ha- use them because they just don't like the sad fact, the awful fact.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean in in, in a, it, I think that the Diana case is a very good example of that, that 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 somehow they offer in a strange way these theories offer people comfort. You know it's some something is something is as sad as as you know as the death of Princess Diana at such a young age. I mean such a horrible thing to have happened in a terrible a terrible waste. And, and I think one thing that human beings try to do is that we try to make sense of the world. You know, we try to find a deeper meaning in events. This is a really, um, a, a really fundamental part of human nature. Um, and, and, and in a case like that, saying that actually it wasn't just an accident, someone was behind it, um, enables us, uh, enables people who believe these theories to, to, to find some sort of deeper significance. In what happened, because if you don't, I mean, if you believe that what happened was that she simply died in a car crash, then, 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 of course, the, I mean, there is no deeper significance. It's just a terrible tragedy and a terrible waste. But there's nothing more to it than that. And it's this, it's this feeling that people have that there must be more to it than that. This can't be all there is. I think that's one of the things that drives people, at least some people, to look for these kind of deeper, hidden explanations in terms of in terms of these dark forces working behind. Behind the scenes
1: to make things happen. So the the main recipe you would say is to play on people sometimes people's emotions. Yeah, on people's maybe their ignorance and their vulnerability, and also to reaffirm their bias. Yeah,
2: yeah, and so, so reaffirm their bias and 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 and, and you know, plug into prejudices that people already you know already um, have. Um, well,
1: that leads me very nicely onto my next question, which you know is mentioned numerous times in the book that you know the do all cts have a basis in anti-semitism and and can you explain to me that from that you know or using that using this as the base to explain why that possibly is the case uh, the protocols of the elders of zion
2: yeah. So, 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 so let's start off with a kind of historical point. So one of the most influential conspiracy theories of all time, certainly in the 20th century was this theory called the protocols of the elders of Zion. So the protocols is a forgery, which was allegedly the report of a meeting of Jewish elders um, who were hatching a plot, a plot for world domination.
1: Early 1900s. Yeah. Early
2: 1900s, So 1905. Now the historical evidence suggests that, that um, this, this, the, the person who came up with this was a member of the Russian secret police. This was this was, of course, pre commodist times, the Tsarist era. Um, however, although this was a this was, I mean, clearly absurd and a and, and a clear forgery, um, the the protocols were taken up in the early part of the 20th century and promoted as historical fact. And some of, one of the biggest promoters of the protocols was Hitler in my, in Mein Kampf. So Hitler and the Nazis actually taught uh, the protocols they insisted that the protocols were taught in German schools in history lessons as real history Um, and there's quite a lot of historical evidence showing that what impact the protocols had on on um you know anti-semitic pogroms in the first half of the 20th century and of course ultimately uh you have you know you have the holocaust so the protocols um really set up this idea which is still around today of you know powerful so nowadays people sometimes people talk about jews but other other times people use code like you know globalists or financiers or wealthy bankers um and, and, and so that, you know there's this there's this kind of trope of 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 these powerful uh people who are supposedly identifiable as as jews who are responsible for these plots Uh, to dominate the world now it's not true of course that all anti that all conspiracy theories are 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 anti-semitic i mean there are conspiracy theories that have nothing to do with that but but what i think is true is that conspiracy theories are 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 operating in a tradition that was originally shaped by um the protocols of the elders of zion and where a lot of the sort of uh, you know um, motifs and tropes that were used in the protocols, you know, we- wealthy wealthy Jewish people working in secret, pulling the strings, these are still around today in a lot of conspiracy theories. It's not something that's just a kind of you know historical curiosity. It's a, these theories are alive and well. Um, so, so that's the thing I really want. I, mean, I this isn't a point that's original to me. It's been made, it's been made by other people. So, so what I, you know, one of the things I want to do when I talk about conspiracy theories to people who think, oh, well, it's just a bit of fun, is to say to them, well, hold on a second. Let, let's be clear what you are flirting with here. Let's be clear what this what the historical tradition is within which these theories fall. And if you, you know, start Googling conspiracy theories or look for them on YouTube, you know, you're never more than a few clicks away from something really odious. You know, it could be anti-Semitic or, 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 you know, racist or obnoxious. You know, in in some other way.
1: So, do you believe that all CTS have some form of political agenda?
2: Um, I think that the that the vast majority of CTS have a political agenda. I mean, so the so the political agenda of nine eleven conspiracy theories was. You know, hostility to the Bush administration and its policy in uh, in Iraq. So that that was uh, that was that case. Uh, conspiracy theories about you know vaccinations um, are very much tied up with hostility, sus- suspicion, and hostility towards Big Pharma and political elites. That's still politics. Uh, the moon landings. People say, well, what about the moon landings? That's not political. Well. Yeah, but I mean, if you really think the moon landings were conspiracy, you have to ask yourself the question, okay, so who are the conspirators? And Well, it's the deep state. It's the big government. It's the deep state. So that's politics, right? So... Uh, you know if you're looking for theory conspiracy theories that have kind of no politics at all people say well what about the disappearance of Elvis you know Elvis faked his own disappearance well what, what I want to say to that is that's not a conspiracy right if Elvis faked his own disappearance then uh, that's just one person right so you can't have a conspiracy of one. Uh, but maybe there are these sort of marginal, you know, these marginal cases where, you know, there really isn't a, um, a, a political angle. But the interesting conspiracy theories, the significant, the influential conspiracy theories, all the ones we've talked about today, they all have a political angle, a political agenda.
1: Lighten it for a second, if we can, in. Um Give us the most bizarre, give us, give us five of the most bizarrest, weirdest ones you've ever heard, or three or four, please.
2: Well, I mean, look, QAnon, right? To you know, for, for for my money, QAnon is is one of the one of the most bizarre theories. So 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 QAnon is a theory that um, uh, senior Democrats and other members of the political elite in America are running a paedophile child sex ring from the basement of a pizza restaurant in Washington called Comet Ping Pong. Um, and and that and they were they, that they're, what they're doing is that they are harvesting the blood of of of, of kids to drink, uh, and there's a guy uh, called Q high up in high up in the U.S. government uh, who is revealing that uh, none other than our great hero Donald J. Trump was was working behind the scenes to uh, uh, to expose this terrible paedophile conspiracy right so so that to me is about as ludicrous as a conspiracy theory as, as, as I can imagine
1: but again it had a serious side because I didn't an armed man turn up at that pizza restaurant yeah. that doesn't have a basement by the way <laughs> and probably doesn't have senior democrats in it drinking the blood of children um but he turned up. He turned up with a gun, did he? Yeah.
2: So, so, so I mean, that's a good, a, a good illustration of how you know even the most absurd theory can have terrible consequences. So, 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 some guy actually believed this theory and turned up at Comet Ping Pong, demanding to see the basement. Uh, then discovered that there was no basement. I think he fired a shot in the restaurant, which didn't hit anyone, uh, and he was, uh, you know, he was arrested and 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 sent to jail for uh, for, for three years. Um, but you know, can of course people can die as a result of conspiracy theories.
1: Oh and we're going to come to that because lots of people have died because of conspiracy lots theory. of people die. Yeah, yeah 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 I actually
2: think that the uh, 5G is responsible for, for spreading coronavirus. that seems pretty pretty bizarre to me. I mean I don't know how that's supposed to how that's supposed to work.
1: I've got one Bill Gates is is microchipping the vaccine.
2: Yes, that's another one. I mean, I mean, the most incredible thing about these latest examples, the last two examples, is that these are theories that are actually current. There are people out there who believe them strongly enough to go around setting fire to 5G masts. Right. So,
1: But, but again, let's come on to the, the serious side of it. And, and there's again, you know, one thing that kept me up last night and and I've been listening and hearing this um, on the news over the last couple of days that that there are members of the BAME community in the UK that are very wary uh, about taking uh, the COVID vaccine. And, and that mistrust is, is is based on historical mistrust of government. Um, and then I read in the book that, that you know most people who believe or have a bigger acceptance of, of, of CTs are people who have been victims uh, of real, um, actual uh, conspiracies, and and I'd like you to explain to me and to the people listening about Tuskegee. That's the right way to say
2: it. Yeah, Tus- Tuskegee um, or Tuskegee. Um, so, so, so one finding in research in the states is that African Americans are more likely to believe conspiracy theories than white Americans. At least this was the case up to you know five or ten years ago. Um, so, so. An obvious question is, well, why should that be? Um, well, now, if you look at uh, the history, uh, African-American history in the US and the whole you know, history of slavery, for example, um, it's not entirely surprising that African-Americans you know, are, are, are suspicious of, um, uh, of, of, author- of established, so-called established authorities. And, a, and a, an incredible example of this was the Tuskegee syphilis experiment. So this was um, a study carried out by the Department of Health in the US Of what happens when people suffer from untreated syphilis, Um, and uh, this was at a time when there was no treatment for syphilis. This is when it started. In the it was in the late twenties. The late twenties, yeah. So they recruited uh, something like six hundred African American sharecroppers. I mean, very dirt poor African American poor poor farmers um, uh, who had syphilis, and they basically observed the progress of the disease. Now, during the course of this um, study, uh, penicillin was, uh, was 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 uh, discovered, and uh, as 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 a treatment for syphilis, and was st- and was starting to be used as a treatment for syphilis. Now, what happened is that instead of actually just giving these people um, antibiotics for for their syphilis, they just let they just d- didn't didn't do it. Um, so they were able to continue the study, um, not treating these people.
1: So these people would have passed on the syphilis, they would have gone blind, they would have endured horrible pain, and and how long did this study, so-called study, go on for? Um, I, uh,
2: it went on until I think the 1990s, as far as I can remember.
1: So they kept this ongoing through generations?
2: Yeah, it went on, it went on for a long time, and, it, and eventually it, 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 it came to light not as the result of a conspiracy theorist, but as the result of a whistleblower. Um, and if, and if, if it, I can't remember the exact date, but there was some point, you know, many, many decades into the experiment when a whistleblower revealed that the Department of Health, Department of Health uh, and its representatives had, had knowingly and consciously not given these people the treatments that were, that were available to them. Um, and in, ni- in, in the 1990s, uh, eventually, there was, a, there was a ceremony in the White House at which Bill Clinton... Um, apologized on behalf of the American government to the Tuskegee survivors. Now, you have to think about, you know, the popularity of uh, in the African-American community of the theory that uh, AIDS was invented by the CIA as a way of uh, exterminating the black population of the US. Now, I mean, you know, if you don't know anything about Tuskegee, you would think, you know, how ridiculous. But if you do know about Tuskegee, it doesn't seem quite so ridiculous <laughs> anymore. I mean. So it's, it's, it's you know, of course, it's a, I'm not saying that this, that theory is, is is correct. All I'm saying is that you know you have to look at people's willingness to believe conspiracy theories in the light of their sort of broader perspective on how trustworthy the, the government is, and sometimes people don't trust the government for good historical reasons.
1: Well, governments, as as we know, are are guilty of of spreading misinformation and CTS, right?
2: Well, that's right, and, and I mean, you know, if you look at the popularity of 9-11 conspiracy theories, which I, you know, of course, I don't myself believe, but I can see that, that these theories were attractive to people who were very cross about what they saw as disinformation about WMD in Iraq, right? So, um, uh, and of course, I mean, the Bush administration itself was promoting the theory that, that Iraq was uh, working together with Al-Qaeda, uh, which is which what? In fact, it it wasn't right. So, um, so you can see that pe- you know people who were very suspicious of uh, the Bush administration and of the record of the American government over the years, you know, might be more inclined to believe that they were capable of doing, of pulling off a stunt like, uh, you know, uh, doing nine eleven itself. I don't believe that for one minute, but it might explain why some people do believe
1: it. Or well, th- apparently a third of Americans. Is that
2: right? Well, a lot of Americans, I mean, there'd be different, uh, different surveys at different times, but, you know, certainly in, in, in six or seven years after 9-11, a vast number of Americans believed that 9-11 was, uh, you know, was was an inside job or that in any case that the official account was in one way or another inaccurate and people are still incredibly worked up about this, you know, it's 20 years down the line. But actually, if even now, if if you go online and say that you actually believe the official account of 9-11, you know, you better be prepared for a whole heap of abuse because people still get very, very cross about that.
1: And that, that's another, I mean, I want to come on to just one more thing going back to, uh, so there there was a big mistrust of, of antiretrovirals in the US, particularly amongst the black community there. And, and you know, uh, Mbeki, who was in charge of South Africa, yeah. he honestly believed that it was a plot, didn't he?
2: Yeah. So, so, um, so, the, so, so, Tabo Mbeki was the president of South Africa, uh, and and he was a kind of AIDS denialist, and he thought that you know he thought that um, um, the whole idea of you know HIV causing AIDS and being treatable by these antiretroviral drugs that the whole thing was. Uh, was was it was was um, disinformation and he actually uh, you know didn't provide funding. the South African government didn't provide funding for antiretroviral drugs. Uh, to the pop, uh, population of South Africa, which actually had AIDS. Um, and there have been various calculations about the number of excess deaths in South Africa as a result of this. But you know, you're know, you looking into the tens of thousands of people who needn't have died and wouldn't have died if they'd been given drugs at the appropriate time. And they would have been given drugs at the appropriate time if the president of South Africa hadn't believed this effectively conspiracy
1: theory. So. Had there been experts, and had the experts been allowed to speak, hopefully that might have changed public opinion.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. hello? fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started a lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot bot may be your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times
1: Now, in the book, you talk about the death of the expert.
2: Yes. So um, uh, many of your, your, your listeners will remember during the Brexit campaign something that Michael Gove said, which was that the people of this country have had enough of experts. Now, to be to be completely fair to Gove, I think what Gove was talking about was specifically economists, um, I and mean, what he was talking about was 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 what he saw as the as the failure of economists to forecast what was going to happen with the economy. And I think, as far as that is concerned, you know, he 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 possibly had a point. But it was seen as a kind of broader attack on ex, on expertise. You know, so the idea that there was that, that that the people of this country no longer were uh, were interested in the views of of experts of any sort on any topic. Um, and this in turn was, was, was interpreted as, as, you know, as part of a kind of broader um, uh, political uh, trend, which was, you know, mistrust of people in power, mistrust of people uh, in authority. Um, and and of course, if you look to people, uh, you know, so-called experts to to decide on the truth or falsity of a conspiracy theory, if you are mistrustful of experts, you're going to miss. You're also going to be mistrustful of experts who tell you that your conspiracy theory uh, is no good. Um, I mean, it's, it's worth pointing out that actually this whole business of expertise, when you look at it today, I mean, you know, all, those of us who kind of watch the news on tenterhooks every night to to, to hear you know, the experts tell us what's, you know, what the latest is with, with you know, with COVID-19, um, you know, I think a, 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 most people actually do listen to the experts um, on on that subject, but there are some who don't, you know, so there are some people who, uh, um, who go around to this day saying that um, what, you know, what uh, the government's uh, so-called experts are telling us about coronavirus is false. Um, or exaggerated in some way. Uh, so that would be an example of this sort of anti-expert uh sentiment, which 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 is undoubtedly there in some sections of the population. Though I don't think, certainly in the in, in Britain, I don't I see no evidence that that you know that the vast that you know most most British people are anti-expert. I don't believe that for a second.
1: But um again, um the thing for me is that the conspiracies do happen. You wouldn't have the word conspiracy. They're as old as time. Yeah. You've got to look, you know, go back to ancient Greece and recordings, Rome, Egypt, ancient societies. Conspiracies are not a new thing. And, and they will continue, whether they're done through big business, whether they're done through governments, uh, whether they're done by just individuals on their own with the same political agenda. The point is, how much impact do the CTs have if they come from members of the public? And, and how much impact do they have if they do come from big business, they come from 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 the top end, from governments. Do they have a different effect, or can they
2: have a similar effect? Um, I I think that historically they haven't had the same effect. Th- things might be changing. So let me give you let me give you an example. So um, uh, after nine eleven, of course, the uh, American government was very interested in um, the role of uh, Iraq <clears throat> in nine eleven. Um, what they knew from their intelligence community was that, in fact, it was Al Qaeda that was responsible for 9/11. But, the, but, but particularly the Vice President Dick Cheney uh, was very exercised by trying to find a link between Iraq and Al Qaeda, and so they started to put or put about. Cheney started to put about um, <clears throat> the implication that, in fact, uh, there was there was a connection, and they talked about some meeting that supposedly took place in Prague between. Um, the lead 9/11 hijacker and a member of uh, Iraqi intelligence services. Now, of course, it, it, it didn't. It didn't. It didn't happen. And ultimately, uh, Cheney himself, I think, agreed that that uh, there was no Al Qaeda Iraq link. But the idea of such a link was already out there. Um, there was it, the idea that there was a link had been sort of promoted by uh, by, by Cheney and others to the to the extent that by the time that the Americans invaded Iraq in 2003 surveys showed that the majority of Americans believed that there was a link between al-Qaeda and Iraq and by the time it, it was all shown not to be true uh, it had already done it had already done its work now you were asking about well comparing the in, you know influence of government conspiracy theories with with you know uh, sort of uh, conspiracy theories that come from the bottom up so I've given you an example of, an, of you know, a very effective conspiracy theory promoted by, by the American government. Um, but in the in sort of internet age and with social media being as it is, I think there's more, there's, there is more scope now of conspiracy theories um, coming from members of the public and starting to circulate in that way. So if you think about um, uh, particularly coronavirus is caused by 5G. But that's a theory that, that's a that's around that I think is a, is a theory that's come from actually come from members of the you know, members of the public and it certainly had you know it certainly had some um, some influence. Uh, so I, I think that what you know what social media has done is it has created ways for members of the public to promote and distribute these theories that wouldn't have been possible uh, pre-social you know pre-social media.
1: I'm going to misquote this but in the book it says one of the biggest challenges we face is to help our children navigate the internet with discernment. I mean great statement how do you implement that?
2: Yeah, oh goodness that is such a difficult job. I mean one thing you need to do is to, is 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 uh, is to get your children I think to to think about the difference between a, a, trust, a source you can trust and a source that you can't trust. Now, if you, say, if you say, well, okay, but how do you tell the difference between a source you can trust and a source that you can't trust? So I would say, look, take a simple example, like, a, like um, you have a medical condition, right? and you're, you're worried about your medical condition. So you Google it. Okay, so one of the top search things that comes up is, is the NHS website, right? or maybe the Mayo Clinic in the US. And that tells you what it is, right? Uh, and then you'll find lots of other things, you know, other other um, organisations or individuals who you can't identify, who tell you something completely different right, about the nature of your illness. So, so the w- one thing is to say, well, look, which of these should you be trusting, and which of these should you not be trusting? And and why? And why one and not the other? So, so if I say, as I would say, if it, that look, you should you should trust the NHS website, but you shouldn't be trusting this you know, random website that you've just find, found online. Well, why is that? Why should you trust the NHS website? Uh, well, then you'd have to say, well, OK, because if you look at the sort of um, incentive structures on the NHS website, the NHS has a huge incentive as an institution to put out their accurate information to the best of its knowledge, right? It has no, in, it has no um, interest and no incentive to, you know, to lie or misrepresent the medical, you know, the medical facts. Now, this other th- other website that says quite quite the opposite. So here's why you shouldn't trust that you shouldn't trust that website. Well, number one, you don't know who these people even are. You don't know what their qualifications are. You know nothing about it, right? So don't trust it because. You know, there's no good reason to trust that website, but there is good reason to trust the NHS website. So you then multiply this procedure and you get, you know, you get kids to learn that that, you know, um, there's lots and lots of stuff out there on the Internet. Probably more of it is false than is true. And you have to learn how to tell the difference by learning the difference between sources you should be trusting and sources that you shouldn't be trusting, and then explaining how that works out using kind of using practical examples, right? So why should you trust the New York Times but not Infowars? Okay, well again, there's quite a there's there's a I think a perfectly straightforward story to be told about why basically if you want news about what's going on in the states. You're much better off trusting the New York Times than trusting InfoWars and so on and so forth. So that's a kind of technique, I think, that kids need to learn.
1: Well, I I want to ask you this question because I'm not going to point the finger, but I think you'll know where I'm going. What do we do when governments use CTs with a big C and a big T to promote their own agenda and punish others that don't agree with them?
2: Yeah, yeah. So, so this is this is such a serious thing. I mean, so obviously, what, what you know what we're talking about here is 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 Trump and his and his um, uh, supporters uh, using a, a conspiracy theories CTs to incite eventually an attempt to overthrow the outcome of a democratic election in the US. I mean, a monumentally important thing that happened.
1: You don't really, apart from the death, the the, the, the hundreds of thousands of deaths, which you don't get more important than than than, than destroying democracy, really, do you?
2: Yeah. You know, so this 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 was a really big deal, and of course, what happened in the end was that you know Twitter permanently barred Trump from from Twitter, which was his main means of communicating with the world. I mean, I, I think what I want, what I said when that happened was, what took them so long? I mean. Uh, you know Twitter has Twitter has its rules about the use of the, you know the use of the use of the medium and it does actually chuck people off Twitter or suspend them um, for, for it seems to me much much more trivial. Uh, infractions than the one that Trump was responsible for over a, over a long period of time. But then you get the other side of the coin, which is, you know, people saying, yeah, but look, you know, why should, why should the chief executives of these large tech companies be the people to decide, you know, who has a voice and who doesn't have a voice? Uh, and that's a that's a, you know, that's a legit, that's a legitimate question. That's a legitimate question. And there is an answer to that question, I think, which is that um, if you think about you know people who publish books, uh, uh, people book publishers are responsible for the content of the books. Right? So so if the books are libelous, they are they are you know they are responsible for that. Um, so uh, and, and publishers have. You know, very good reason not to publish stuff that is, you know, that is libel- libelous because there is legal, uh, there is le- legal blowback. The idea on the Internet that anybody can say anything they like using one of these platforms and the platforms are not responsible, that is really, you know, uh, that is really The cause of the problem. I mean, if you if if if, I mean this isn't something that I think is very practical, but if you said to Twitter and Facebook, you are you you companies are now responsible for the content on your website, just in the way that publishers are responsible for the stuff that they publish, of course, then things would be completely and utterly different and 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 free speech does not mean that people that you have the that you have the right to go around libeling people it does not mean that you can shout fire in a crowded cinema right uh, it does not mean that you can go around racially abusing people on the street so there are all sorts of limitations on free speech that we that that are perfectly consistent with a democratic a democratic society and people have somehow got it into their heads that just because it's social media people should be allowed or can be you know should be allowed to just say anything they like without anybody doing anything
1: about it. I don't see why that's true at all. So you believe it can be monitored but going back to how do you when a government, your government is actively putting out conspiracy theories for its own agenda and in order to admonish or punish um, opposing entities, how do you tackle
2: that? Well, vote them out. Do what the Americans did. I mean, but is that your only recourse? Well, I mean, of course, you can. You, well, there, there are there, there's recourse in the sense that you know, there are there are there are newspaper journalists um, who, who can pop you know, who can who could publish investigative stories about this,
1: but they were faking it. They were fake newsers, weren't they?
2: Yes, well, of course, there's no there's no knockdown, you know, there's no knockdown argument, but I mean, if you think you know, if you think about Um, You know, the defenses that we have against against this sort of uh, behavior, bad behavior on, on the part of governments, you know, you rely on the opposition, you rely on the opposition to ask the difficult questions. So this is why you need an opposition in a democracy. This is a crucial role for them. This is why you need a free press. And this is why you need elections. You know, you need all of those, you know, those are the main weapons that, you know, that you have against the bad behavior of governments. And, and all we can do is to hope that these weapons are, are, are used when, you know, when, when, they, when, the t- when the time comes.
1: So right at the very end of the book, you talk about the ways that um, conspiracy theorists and their theories can, can be dealt with. You say to just ignore is the wrong thing to do. They're not going to go away. You have to face them, particularly if you're an expert. So you say rebuttal, education and outing. Can you just tell me or explain to me those processes?
2: Okay, so so, so rebuttal means trying to refute the theories by providing evidence... Uh, the other way. Now, the thing about rebuttal is that although it's important that conspiracy theories are rebutted, um, it's naive to expect these rebuttals to actually convince the committed conspiracy theorists, right? So rebuttal is much more effective when it comes to people who are, as I like to call them, conspiracy curious. So people who are not, you know, already true believers where rebutting the theory might be effective in stopping them from You know, fully uh, endorsing the theory, but that's got to be that's got to be. So, so if somebody says the Holocaust never happened, it's really, really important that there are top historians who can provide you with documentary proof that it happened. Right. So that's the that's the that's the rebuttal element. Um, Education is the thing that we were talking about about earlier, which is educating our children um, to distinguish between trustworthy and untrustworthy sources and getting them away from the idea that you can't trust anyone or that you know ev- everyone lies or that they're all the same. It's really important that people don't, don't get seduced by that idea. And, it, and in practice, I think we aren't seduced by that idea. I mean, I would be willing to take a bet that the vast majority of people listening to this program, um, when they're unwell and have concerns about their health will in fact rely on the NHS, right? Uh, I mean, actually, that's what they will do. Uh, And and they'll rely on the NHS because they believe with good reason that the NHS is, is, uh, you know, an excellent option for them in the event of ill health. Um, So you need to kind of remind people that there is a difference between good and bad. There is a difference between reliable and unreliable, trustworthy and untrustworthy information and misinformation and educate them to distinguish between them um the the third thing outing is 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 i think the you know maybe the most controversial thing which is to say to people um uh y- you need to learn a bit more about what conspiracy theories are what they've been used for in the past and what the agendas are of the people who promote these theories don't think that we're dealing here with something that's just a bit of fun or harmless, or, or 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 innocent. So outing means actually, you know, revealing to people who maybe don't know about this um, what conspiracy theories have actually done in terms of the harms that they've, you know, the harms that they've done, um, which we, you know, which we've been talking about and which have been very kind of very considerable. And I think that's you know that's a huge part of, of what I mean by outing. I mean the other thing that I mean by outing is 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 this. So one of the f- conspiracy theories' favourite question is who benefits. So they say things like, well, who really benefited from 9-11? Well, you know, the American government, because it gave them an excuse to invade Iraq and so on and so forth. So so I want to say, "Okay, well, that's fair enough. You can ask that question. okay? but I have the right to ask the same question about conspiracy theories and conspiracy theories. Who benefits from them? What do the uh, the people who put those theories forward? uh, What what you know, what's in it for them? and that's a question you really need to ask now some people say to me oh well that only proves that you're a conspiracy theorist yourself you're just a conspiracy theorist about conspiracy theories right well i mean if i am that's fine by me but i i mean actually i I don't think i am i mean i'm just saying that 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 when anybody is trying to sell you something right including a conspiracy theory it's actually not a bad question to ask what is their agenda what is their agenda and in the case of many of these theories it's not that difficult to figure out what the political, you know, what the political agenda is. That's what's in it for them. That's why they, that that's why these, you know, what I call producers of conspiracy theories, that's why they're in business. I mean, there's money, you know, there's money to be made. I mean, if you think about, you know, someone like David Icke. The man with the
1: lizards, the lizards, lizards with money involved.
2: Yeah. Um, so, so pre, you know, pre coronavirus. I mean, you know, big, uh, big speaking engagements. I presume, you know, people pay good money to go and listen to him. People pay money to subscribe to his website. So, you know, there's a business angle. There's a business angle to this. Uh, and, you know, that's something. So there's a, the, you know, there's the politics of conspiracy theories, and there's the there's the business of conspiracy theories. And these are all things that people should look at. So if you want to be skeptical, if you know, some people say, well, I'm just being skeptical, and so I want to say. Okay you can be skeptical you can raise questions about the government and the establishment and so on but don't forget to be skeptical also about the conspiracy theories and you know, don't be don't forget to be skeptical about them as well you know if you're going to be if you're going to say i'm just not a trusting person all right well why are you trusting these guys then in that case the conspiracy theories so that's the out, you know that's what i call the outing uh, the outing element ask, ask the difficult questions of them as well
1: and I would say, to be honest, trust the experts. Trust the experts. And that, can I just say this? Kazim, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to an expert.
2: Well, thank you. It's, it's, been, it's been great fun talking to you, Ross. And on the trust the experts thing, look, if your car breaks down, what do you do? Well, if you are an expert in car maintenance, you fix it yourself. But if, like me, you know absolutely nothing about your cars and my car breaks down. Well, I tend to call the AA or some other, uh, other organisations available, of course.
1: But the point is, what you don't do is you don't go and ask the rabbit at the side of the road to fix your car.
2: Yeah. And if I'm flying a plane, you know, I, we, the passengers don't take a vote on who they think should be should be in the in the pilot seat, right? The person in the pilot seat is someone who's actually had, who's an expert, right? Who's had gone through an incredibly intense period of training. And the last I heard, you know, airline pilots have to be retested every six months, right? That's that's ex, that's expertise. That's the kind of people, that's the kind of man or woman I want in the pilot seat of the plane I fly in. And that, I think is something that people should just remember. It's a completely, blindingly obvious point. But we should remember that the same principle principle applies to your car, to your plane, to your uh, to your, your your medical issues, to everything. Thank you again. It's been a pleasure, Ross. Thank you so much for having me on your program.
1: Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Kempcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate and review. You can find me on Twitter at Ross Kemp and on Instagram at Ross Kemp TV. This has been a Freshwater and the Chance of Collective production. And until the next episode, goodbye.